Tom. Pete. You're walking down the street. Let's just say you're walking your dog, uh, Foster. And yep. you look down at the ground and you see a worm. Hmm. Do you ever hmm. stop and think, hmm, I wonder what would make worms better? <laughs> I, I have not and will not. But please continue. <laughs> well, then let me introduce my topic this way. Do you remember, Tom, mm. when all we had to worry about were murder hornets? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, murder hornets. Step aside, that. murder hornets. Oh, Tom. Oh, no. Murder worms. <laughs> murder worms? Murder worms. No, they're not really murder worms. Oh, but we do okay. have sightings of an invasive species of snake-like worm being reported in Ew. Georgia. And it has the perfect name. It's called the hammerhead worm. <laughs> ask me, ask me why, Tom. Uh yes, Pete. Why? Why hammerhead worm? Its head is shaped like a hammer, Tom. Like a shark, like a hammerhead shark. And it it glides around. It's a worm oh. with a hammerhead that glides around. And it's invasive, and it's about a foot long. Murder worms. I'm ah. pointing it here. Murder worms. Mm -hmm. Murder worms. Murder worms. Now it's murder worms. worms. <laughs> Tom, it's, it's the worst okay. thing ever. But there are some other things you should know beyond it being the worst thing ever. So some things okay. to know. Number one, the murder worm... <laughs> <laughs> has actually been here a while. It uh, over a hundred years, biologists say. But guess what's oh. driving it out into the open, Tom? What? Climate change. Thanks, cl Ugh, thanks, planet. Of course. Yeah, we're really doing great by unearthing <laughs> the murder worms. No one likes it, least of all commercial worm farmers. Why, you ask? Because it eats other earthworms and soil-dwelling invertebrates. Oh, no. That's what it does. It's it's. Is that what yeah. makes it? In, I was going to ask what makes something invasive. Well, invasive because it means it comes it's in and not from house? here. It's not native, and it comes here and reproduces uh, without any restraint, without any program to get rid oh. of it. Oh. Also, like murder hornets, which only went and ate other wasps and bees and things, this only really eats other worms. It's not directly, it's not like it's going to worm into your house and eat your dog. But you may ask rightly, how does it eat, Pete? Because worms, usually they go through and they like siphon dirt, right? They get the minerals out of the dirt and they eat the little things in the dirt, right? I get, and then they poop, they poop out more dirt. Do? That's I've why dirt is healthy if it's rich in, and, and loamy and with lots of worms keeping it aerated. I've never thought how do worms yeah, eat no. before. I feel so. I, I think I just assumed that they were like holding their breath. <laughs> so they have mouths. They're just like they're All just right, like straws. Ultimately, they just the dirt goes in, dirt comes out. That's just what it is. Processed dirt comes out. All right. <laughs> okay. These murder worms, their mouths are about halfway down their body in in kind of the middle, and <sighs> they produce tetrodotoxin. Yeah. What? Tetrodotoxin, Tom. Do you know what tetrodotoxin is? Do you remember this? Oh, this is uh, something that we've been over before? No, I just mean from, like, school. I didn't even know that worms ate, Pete. Do you think I went to school? Puffer fish, they, you know, that oh. they, they have the gland and they produce tetrodotoxin. It is an extremely potent poison found mainly in the liver and sex organs of some fish, such as puffer, puffer fish, globe fish, and toadfish, and now murder worms. 
Tetrodotoxin interferes with the transmission of signals from nerves to muscles and causes an increasing paralysis of the muscles and body. Tetrodotoxin poisoning can be fatal because that's what we need. Murder worms that also produce fatal neurotoxins. And like other earthworms, they do reproduce from uh, cut body sections. If you cut one in half, it will grow two full murder worms. Great. The world got so dark today, right? It really did. Nature is just like (laughs) bull. Right? Nature's like, I don't know. And like, put the mouth in its middle part. Hey, it's, it's me, nature. Just, nature's just rolling for characters now. Just rolling for characters. Bad girl with a good heart. Lost boy got a fresh start. And she's my gasoline. Slick chrome on the Mustang. Drop top, no, we don't play. Cause I'm her nicotine. Welcome to What's That Smell, a sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy Metz III. And every week, we drag one of our deepest, darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. Reach out, send us the story of your anxieties to something stinky at whatsthatsmell.net. And I, I mean, really, the whole thing, something stinky, not just send us your anxiety to something stinky at what's that smell.net it's that you got to write it all out you've okay. got to get every okay. luscious bite and with that i'll go first you know that i like that she got my heart asleep so what stick him like a hole real talk tom oh i'd like to talk to you about vomit Wait, let me start over. You mean start the entire podcast over (laughs) and do something else that is not about smells and anxiety? No, this is real. I'm serious. Stop making fun. All right. Look, I I was on... uh, Let me take you back in time. Uh, just to a few days ago, oh. <laughs> it's not, it's not really that big of a deal. I have always been somebody who's been okay performing, right? I could, yeah. I, I am not somebody who has experienced a lot of, um, stage fright. Performance anxiety? Stage fright? That's, okay. Yeah, we'll call it performance. And we've talked about stage fright, performance anxiety, all of those things. We've talked about these things on the show before, mm-hmm. whether listeners have written in and talked to us about them, uh, whatever. Uh, and, so I'm, I've, I is a totally, I, my kind of anxiety where I am on the spectrum is not in performance. In Got fact, it. I've always found it kind of calming, right? To, and it, to be more or less improvisational on stage. Uh, I just, I've really liked that experience okay. before. And I think maybe spinning off of what you talked about last week, that it's possible we have been in our homes too long, right. uh, I had an experience this weekend that I've never had before, ever, 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 and it blew my mind. Interesting. So, okay. Now, I'd like to talk to you about vomit. Here's the thing. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to... All right. I was a, a guest on... Uh, I was to be a guest on a podcast 
And the host of the podcast is a guy by the name of Brett Terpstra, and the podcast is called Systematic, and it has been around a long time. Brett is a software developer and a uh, a congenial guy. Very, very nice. He has actually been a guest on one of my other podcasts, and he's just fantastic. But he has this podcast long-running. I've been a listener of that show for a number of years. I've listened to every episode. Like, I just, I really like his vibe. And we have a lot of great experience. Sure does. That's what I thought. (laughs) Yep. So Saturday morning comes up. I was scheduled to be on the show at like 930 or something. I had been listening to some of his recent episodes, and his recent episodes included a lot of guests that I'm also a fan of, right? So I'm starting to get nervous at this point, because now my fandom is crushing my experience as a podcaster and as a, a technical person and as a pop culture commentator and all of these things that I do yeah. now it's running head to head with with my fandom for this show and for all the other people the guests and their what they've accomplished and I am but I'm still I'm feeling okay Can right we- I'm feeling like oh gosh may- maybe I'll just be the worst guest he's ever had on his show and that would be fine I can live with that oh. he, he does the show in Skype and uh-huh. so I opened minutes before the show. I opened Skype, and the second that stupid Skype sound, bing bong, whatever yep. that stupid sound, the second it came up, I had to run <gasps> to the bathroom and throw up for the first time. You performance, oh my performance gosh. vomit. Yes, it's never happened to me before at all, and. I, you know, I'm on other podcasts. Like, I, yeah. I've been a guest on other podcasts. I host way too many podcasts, if anything. <laughs> like, I should know, uh, like, how to kind of get myself set. But for some reason, Saturday morning, that I is... had my first anxiety vomit. Stop, stop saying vomit. Um, uh, no. That's <laughs> no, all you right. want to keep going? I'm <laughs> uh, that's crazy that it hit you that late did it did it feel like it was getting worse and worse and worse and worse or was it just it like was immediate it was an immediate wash of like wow. not so immediate that i knew that it was just i was going to go all over my computer i had yeah. seconds to get into the bathroom but i Oof. and and then it was over yeah it was just over I have, that has happened to me, not about performing. I usually get very nervous before performing, but then once I start, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. It's just Mm -hmm. anticipatory. It's just sort of left over. But have you ever had to, have you ever had to, uh, uh, you know, disembowel? Yes. (laughs) Well, actually it was because of uh, one of the great loves of my life, sports. Uh, Before soccer games, when I was a young kid, sometimes Mm -hmm. I would... Mm uh, disavow, uh, before going to the game because it just made me so nervous the entire mm-hmm. time that I was so afraid that I was going to what not run fast enough. I don't <laughs> like, I'm not able to really like connect with that, but I was just so nervous of failing my teammates or people making fun of me. Or sure. Something. Yeah. Sure. I mean, let's be clear. You knew going in, you're not going to run at all. <laughs> right. There's a line. That, <laughs> yeah, I was afraid that I would not be crossed, get, get the best seat on the bench. <laughs> so I would throw up and get, uh, I so but not as an adult then you don't you don't uh, you've never dealt with this as an, as an adult. No, that's not really no. It doesn't come out as nausea for me. It comes out as yeah. very up and bouncy oh, and yeah. handshaky yeah. and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> apparently, well, I'm very nervous. I right know. Now. <laughs> right, now I'm watching it. It's great. I so I'm. No, I, I just was, throw um, up and fall out of right. here. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so I've been thinking a lot about this, and I started looking at uh, uh, looking up, you know, uh, performance re- performance anxiety related uh, nausea. Yeah. Oh wait, and, can I ask? I think you said, but you did feel better. Oh, immediately. Immediately. Yeah. Like it just yeah. went away. And you had like confidence and stuff. Well, that's. Con- I mean, look at this show. What's confidence? I clearly don't have confidence. I'm just <laughs> tripping through life and career. But you didn't. Uh, you didn't have avoidance. After no. you went to the restroom, you and we did the show, pay. and I, I did mention things that I probably will regret, but you know, I, I, we, t- I attempted to talk uh, about Cardi B, and uh, <laughs> what else? I did mention politics and family, and that's so you know, I'm going to wow. regret all those things, but yeah. we'll see, okay. we'll just see. <laughs> but that's okay. So that's interesting. Yeah, I thought okay. so too. So I, I start, I start looking at, and please don't search. For performance anxiety vomit, right? <laughs> I'll make a note. Because what you get is people who are helping you through your sexual performance anxiety. And oh. when you have sexual performance anxiety, you then, I guess, vomit. That is new to me. I've never oh. even thought about that. And I'm sure we'll have to do a show on it at some point now that it's in the wind. It's out there. uh, I'm afraid that it would become like part of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Well, and that's a funny thing because I found some some pretty great uh, uh, resources. Some doctors have some great YouTube videos and they are really quite thorough about all of this thing. Mostly what is going on now is our old friend anxiety is an evolutionary adaptation and it is telling us, hey, uh, you there might be a bear right there. Uh, you know, I know you think you're going on a podcast, but it might be a podcast with a bear right. and you should be scared right now. And so you're mistaking that your amygdala is on fire. There is no bear. It's just anxiety. Did learn some new things, though. Have you ever heard of osteocalcin? No. This is fascinating. It's a chemical. It's a hormone in your bones, Tom. It's in your bones. It is one of the first signals that uh, that pushes the body into a fight-or-flight response. Osteocalcin mm. and adrenaline. Adrenaline happens the instant, like, seconds. Osteocalcin, a couple of minutes, and that puts you into an, uh, a, a stress, uh, an a- acute stress uh, response. And then comes uh, cortisol. So those are kind of that's the right. the trio of of uh, components that make inside your body that put you into a stress response that keep you into a stress response and that maintain your stress response over a long period of time, which is where a lot of us are right now because we're in this pandemic and it's right. just there's, our cortisol levels are probably too high. We're not getting enough sleep. Everything's off. And so uh, uh, osteocalcin <laughs> plays an important role because it's one of those things that as the hormone hits you and adrenaline hits you, it causes things in in your stomach to get upset for some people. You're a scientist, correct? Absolutely not. Because one of the questions I have is if it's a fight or flight response, making you use the restroom is the opposite of both of those. It's actually making you very, I just wonder why that is the evolution of that, because it's keeping you from being able to run or fight. Yeah, you're, I don't, because you're just I don't sick. know. There yeah. is some, there is some, it's the, it, it, possibly it's just a, co- uh, the concoction, right? Of all right. the things that are going on in your body. It's Not only the fact that, yeah, yeah, it's just too much. Uh, you, you don't have enough CO2, frankly, in your body. This is another one that I found that said, look, you, carbon dioxide uh, is it, actually, you know, you, you, it builds up on exhale, right? You, that's what you, 
give back unto the world, right? Your oh, okay. CO2. So you bring in oxygen, you give back CO2. But CO2 is also a calming uh, uh, component in the brain. And if you introduce a little CO2, you can calm yourself down and... That's why in a panic attack, if you're having a panic response, you get a paper bag and you put it over your mouth and you breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in. That's one of the responses. Uh, You're actually putting yourself in a slightly hypoxic state, oxygen deprived, but you're letting CO2 build up in your system to calm your brain and relax you through your experience. Is that why when I have trouble sleeping, I go into my garage and I start the car and I just get sleepy like right away <laughs> with all I, the doors closed. <laughs> and I wake up like the next day and I'm like, I don't feel good, but I slept great. So uh, that's that's one of the tricks. There are some other things that you can do to calm your brain when you're in a performance anxious uh, state. Um, you can, first of all, you should, you, you can monitor your pulse. If you have anything like a Fitbit or an Apple Watch, something that actually monitors your pulse. If it's higher than 90 as a resting heart rate, then you're in a stress response. And for a lot of people, you may be having a resting heart rate that's above 90 and not know it because uh, your cortisol levels are too high and it has become your normal state. But 90 should be the high end of a resting heart rate, apparently, that most people are between 70 and 90 in their waking day, and it drops down into the 50s when you're asleep, that kind of a thing, or lower. Um, but if it's higher than 90, you should you should think about it. Also, your temperature, if you're, if you're riding a temperature that is a couple of points above your normal and now normal is it used to be 98.6 but normal's all over the place i'm i ride like 97.5 that's my day-to-day normal that's what i ride 97.5 the zoo (laughs) and so if it hits 90 you know 99 i know i'm in a stress response if i'm not feeling just acutely ill so those are a couple of signals that you can watch uh if if you've kind of adapted to being stressed and so some of the things you can do uh breathing through your nose uh and out through your mouth so you breathe in through your nose out through your mouth and then hold on empty for a few seconds, right? CO2 is building in your blood and will build in your system through air hunger, right? Mm. This I actually learned this from a webinar uh, from Backstage, the uh, Broadway oh. performing publication. This yeah. is a, a guy was talking about, uh, their expert was talking about, hey, you want to get through performance anxiety? Here are the exercises we do first. Build up a little CO2, calms your brain, relaxes you uh, through hypoxia. Just a little bit of, you don't want to turn blue. Right. They were very careful about telling you not to hold your breath, just to starve your breath a little bit. Right. Okay. Uh, you, if you want to do a, a, an even more sort of accelerated version of that, you breathe in through your nose, out through your mouth, hold it on empty, and then do two or three squats. Right. You're increasing the demand on your body for air while you are holding the air from it. You're creating that gap, that hypoxic gap, and that will build up CO2 and help calm your brain. Um, the, the bag over the mouth thing, have you, I can't remember. Have you ever done that? Have you ever had to do that for a panic attack? No, I thought that that was just what people like did on TV. It's actually <laughs> that's a, not. That's a real thing. Okay. In, in, on TV, they do it for like 30 seconds and it's over. Really, you need to do it for two, three, four minutes straight. So just put your knees on your, uh, or your elbows on your knees. You seal the bag over your mouth and breathe slowly in and out for two, three, four minutes and that will do sort of the same thing, right? Because you're you're breathing in some of the CO two that you that remains in the bag, 
while letting out the air through the porous, fibrous nature of the bag. If I want to multitask, can I just tie really tightly an entire plastic bag around my head and then with like a rope? Let's just let's just Again, say you've I get really off, sleepy. <laughs> yeah. You are off the rails right now. You're not I'm helping not yourself or others. Okay. <laughs> I'm not throwing up. Finally. <laughs> That's mean. Okay. Finally, uh, there are a couple more tricks for you. And uh, one is to balance your sugars and salts. Uh, the the stress response, adrenaline, and the uh, um, osteocalcin, uh, they're doing things for you to raise your blood sugar, right? Because the more sugars you have in your blood instantly, the greater your muscles will be able to respond quickly and you'll be able to run from the bear. So you want to balance your sugars and uh, do things that... Uh, Take, take things into yourself that have an increase in salt, and uh, there are some good mixes. They, they recommend like a collagen or a glycerin uh, shake or a smoothie, something you can get that, that has high program, uh, protein, a little bit of salt, low sugar to balance out what your body's already doing. Okay. And then we get into the nervous system. Uh, so if you take, your, take a pencil and you hold it out at arm's length, and then you focus your eyes on the tip of the pencil, and you bring it in without letting your eyes leave the pencil. Your eyes are going to cross as you bring it into your nose Ow. and then bring it out again. What's that for? Is do that, that a few times. Go cross eyes. It's to make you go cross eyed on a podcast, which is amazing. <laughs> did also, I do it? yeah, you did great. Uh, also, it is. Uh, it <laughs> actually stimulates the nerves that uh, uh, that help you to resolve the panic state. Apparently, so. Huh. That is, it, it's addressing the parasympathetic nervous system, and that's what you need to do to resolve the panic state. Because your body feels, is, is saying, uh, you know, you say, because you say to your body, hey, am I nauseous right now? And your anxiety says, I don't know, do you want to be? Because I can make that happen. <laughs> I and, don't know, how are you doing bear-wise? Right, right, <laughs> right. And, and that, is, uh, uh, that is a state that you want to avoid. You want to be right. able to say, I don't feel nauseous because I have been let my anxiety just to sleep like a bear. Um, I, I did find a really interesting um, article from, or a TED Talk from Priyanka Potdar, who is doing a talk. She's actually a musician, and she was doing a talk on neurodidactics, mixing neuroscience with teaching, and specifically, what does it mean, what's going on in the brain when artists are in the flow, like when they are in the zone, mm -hmm. and what it happens when they're nervous. And so they tied up a bunch of kids to what? these EEG machines, oh. and they measured their brains before, during, and after rigorous practice of a particular piece. And they watched the areas of the brain that lit up when the kids sat down to play the piece before they knew it. And then over time, they watched those parts of the brain go dark as the kids uh, oh, achieve sure. fluency, and they memorize it. And that anxiety, uh, she demonstrates by brain lights uh, is directly related to your level of preparedness, right? And yeah. the, your level of expertise with the material. And that seems so stupidly obvious, especially right. when I think back to Saturday and think maybe I just had no clue what I was going to talk about and wasn't prepared <laughs> at all. Yeah. And then I threw it all up. And uh, so that was a fascinating little addition, thanks to Priyanka Potdar. This is helpful stuff because, as I said, you know, once I'm on stage, not that I'm on stages anymore, mm -hmm. um, I have something coming up uh, this Friday. I'm leading. It doesn't matter. But either way, it's something that I'd be nervous about. So I see myself going out and getting some bags 
squatting around, the, squatting around the apartment. Yeah. Just please, please, yeah, sure, squat around a lot. I'm just going to squat around the apartment, the pla- yeah. Not the plastic bags, Tom. The paper bags. Not the bags. plastic bags. Just, and just a little one. If if you are wandering down your street in Los Angeles with a grocery bag on your face, you are doing it <laughs> doing wrong. It wrong. <laughs> <laughs> where, in all of your research, where was quaaludes? Where did those... <laughs> Was that like a last ditch? <laughs> you don't, you know, you don't get that from me. <laughs> you get to ride that joke all the way out. <laughs> Cue the music. <laughs> Dateline: The early 1500s. In an attempt to reach what was considered to be the perfect female figure known as the hourglass, women across the world began wearing female support devices known as corsets. Corsets were made from a stout fabric supported by bone or metal inserts. Fastening at the front with hooks, the back closed with adjustable laces, allowing the waist to be tightly constricted, sometimes as far as 17 inches. Corsets supported the breasts and pushed them up and together, causing the top of the breasts to spill out of the top of dresses for a shelf-like bust effect. That is a quote. Women were often laced so tightly their breathing was restricted, leading to faintness. Compressing the abdominal organs could cause poor digestion, and over the time, back muscles would atrophy. In fact, long-term tight lacing led to ribcage becoming deformed. Dateline, 1918. Interestingly enough, World War I caused a steep decline in corset use in the United States. The U.S. War Industries Board asked women to stop buying corsets to free up metal for war production. Reportedly, this saved about 28,000 tons of metal, which was used to create two battleships. Corsets were terrible and stupid, and a cruel type of support. Want a smarter means of support? Why not become a panic pal? If you give us $35, we'll give you the world. Yes, Panic Pals, for a one-time donation of $35, you will help support the time and expenses for the production of this season. It is non-renewing $35 for the world. In addition to the normal podcast that all of the cheap bastards get, you will have the ability to join our incredible live stream, like someone's doing today. And you will also have access to members-only episodes, like the COVID sessions and other bonus material to be announced. And Pete, is there any Anything else involved? A sticker. A sticker. And of course, our undying love. We love doing this show, but it is not free to put on. And so if you have ever enjoyed it, we would love your help. Go to whatsthatsmell.net and become a panic pal today. You know what's slightly interesting about my anxiety this week is it has something in connection with yours. Luckily, it is throw-up free, but this is something that I've never been afraid of and have just started becoming afraid of in the last couple of weeks. So, oh, anxiety is such a gift. I know. You and I are on the up and up. Constantly <laughs> giving. Remember in season four, we're like, what if we run out of stuff to talk about? <laughs> and then your brain's like, hold my brain's beer? I don't yeah. know what that phrase is. Okay. <laughs> hold my beer. Hold my brain's beer. Um, there is something in my life that I've always loved to do, uh, even if I'm not particularly stellar at it, and I find it is making me antsy in ways it never has before. Do you want to ha- have a possible guess on what it is? The world is wide open. Why would it be possible? It's so open right now. I I already am cornering the market on murder worms, uh, and ants we know are off the table. We've covered right. that. I don't know. Here's a clue. <laughs> I'm a Foley artist. It's driving. Cars? It's driving. driving. I'll bet you're not driving a lot right now. 
Well, I still have to, I mean, it's California, so driving is still a thing that you have to do. I'm not driving as much. And I, now I said I'm not particularly stellar at it. Let me give you a little backstory. That's both true and false. I haven't gotten a speeding ticket in over seven years, so that's good. But Over seven years. Yeah, but I've run into a parked car once, and I knocked over a motorcycle <laughs> after a brunch in Santa Monica. Hello! Both were parked. <laughs> no one was involved, but that's dumb. So I'm not like, I'm kind of street dumb but book smart i guess about driving <laughs> something like that is that right <laughs> anyway we'll never know anyways i've always felt relatively confident behind the wheel uh you know confidently running into motorcycles and stuff i've even <laughs> driven not, on the you're autobahn not really making a great case the autobahn i drove on the autobahn when i went to Who visit friends let you in berlin on the autobahn <laughs> i went up to 95 miles an hour at one point and i did great uh, and i didn't kill one person once not a but, one not a one time but now i've got the shakies a bit and at first, I'm going to ask you what your thing is. At first, when I started driving during the pandemic, I thought everyone was driving like crazy people. But then I remembered that if everyone is crazy, you should actually look at yourself. If the whole class fails, look at the teacher. And I figured that others had raised their speeds up just a little bit while I had sort of gotten out of practice of driving in Los Angeles, which is normally fairly crazy. Yeah, uh, I right. forget how crazy it is. When my parents came and visited me last time, uh, my dad said... He had trouble like unclenching his hands after driving in California because he was so tense the entire time. And so anyways, I was figuring we were meeting in the middle, but I'm not sure that's the case anymore because a lot of people, not everyone, but more than usual seem to be driving like nut jobs every day. Uh, can I tell you one quick story? I this happened live for it. three weeks ago. This is going to be visual. Let's see. I was making a left turn coming out of a parking lot and there was a big white car van, I don't know what it was, way far away, like at the, like a, about a block away. And so I figured, oh, okay. I have plenty of time. So I pulled out into traffic with my blinker and he was on me. It turned out he was going so fast that he like revved right up behind me with his horn. So I'm like, oh, sorry. And then, so I'm in the left lane. He goes around me on the wrong side of the street. He doesn't go around me on the right. He goes. So now he's in the oncoming traffic lane pulling up next to me, beeping his horn and screaming at me, then floors it and takes off on head of time. That's California. That is God. some crazy stuff. And of course, I'm sure I was like, I'm sorry. Like, cause I don't do like road rage. Like I was just like, it's my problem. I'm like holding my license out so you can see it. I'm such a wimp. What is your driving situation? Do you feel that things have gotten crazier during pandemic driving wise, or are you just not driving and who knows? I'm not driving a lot. Um, yeah. And, and you know, I, I pretty much relegated myself to back roads here in Oregon. Like, I don't I don't need to get on the highway. The highway here, over the last 20 years since we've moved into this area, the highway's gotten nuts. Like, every day there's 30,000 Intel employees going to work. And then there's, I mean, it's just there's so much tech stuff around here with yeah. giant big things. Then the pandemic hit and nobody was driving. And, I, and so I had, even though, I should have been on the highway just going up and down, you know, driving. Right. Um, I I just haven't really done it. But I am somebody who has I've lost my license because of driving too fast. And you um, lost your license? Yeah. You yeah, mean it no. like flew out the window or was taken away? No, it was taken away. Well, it was not the first time. And then I lost again for time. speeding. I was so I got my license and then on my dad's birthday, the next less than a year, I was driving home. And I was listening to Phantom of the Opera, as you do, cranked. It was about Bumping. midnight, and I yeah. was singing. And 
uh, I was a re- <laughs> it was really cool. And I get I the I finally see the lights, and there are three cop cars. It was like a real OJ situation. Oh, and I pulled over, but know. I I didn't know because I the singing, and yeah. I pulled over on a bridge. And that was bad. And then they made me pull over on the... I was like 16. And I pulled over on the right side of the road. And they made me actually come get in the car and showed me the the speeding thing. Yeah. And said... Uh, and it said 98.6. And I, he was <laughs> so nice. And I was terrified. And he said, look at that. You're driving your temperature. And I thought that was so <laughs> uh, so charming that you would say that. Sorry. And then he said, he says this. Have you ever been to court? Uh, no, sir. Well, you're going. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, he's folksy and threatening. <laughs> he is folksy and threatening. And so I kept my license there. They gave me a red license after that experience, where which means I could only drive to and from school because I lived, went to a school that was kind of far away from my house. Wow. And, and then I got pulled over speeding on the way to school. And they just made me leave the car in the neighborhood and get a ride to school and took my license like on site. He actually cuts the license. Wow. And, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I was right outside of the school gate, too. I was, like, right there. So my experience is, wow. I actually, I'm an exceptional driver. I took a ice and crisis race driving, driving class, and I passed with flying colors. I love to drive. And uh, I just, it's just too much. Wow. Okay. Have you ever tried to knock over a motorcycle after a brunch in Santa Monica? <laughs> I suggest it. <laughs> Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was parked behind me, and I don't think it was fair. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> fair. I'm sure fair entered into it too. Yeah, yeah um, you're right. Well, you're right, Tom. It wasn't fair of me to park my motorcycle behind your car. I didn't think so. It was hiding. <laughs> uh, well, okay. So we're in different situations, and you don't know if people are driving crazier because you're just taking back roads with a hayseed in your mouth. And all that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to be so rude. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, guess what? It turns out it's officially not in my imagination, and I'm not alone. You want to hear some stuff? Here's some Tell stuff some I looked stuff. up. I you get up, it. everybody get ready for the copy and paste. In June of this year, Arity, a driving analytics company and subsidiary of the insurance firm Allstate, released findings that people are driving faster than they ever were before COVID-19. In fact, people are driving over 100 miles per hour, 20% more often than pre-COVID-19. And accidents, when they do occur, are, having, are happening at faster speeds. A full 50% faster than usual. Because wow. people are driving less, there are less accidents, but the accidents are more serious. Because Los- they're driving so fast. Because oh. they're driving so fast and furious. In Los Angeles, <laughs> cars are going as much as 30% faster on some streets, prompting changes to traffic lights and pedestrian walk signals. What? In New York City, the Big Apple, the Bronx. <laughs> Automated, I don't know why I'm screaming. (laughs) Automated, oh, it's because this is the exciting part. Automated speed cameras issued 24,765 speeding tickets on March 27th. That's a day. Despite fewer cars being on the road. And that was just one person, Pete. No. (laughs) That would be you. In October, the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, or NISHA, released a report showing that U.S. roads are noticeably more dangerous in the COVID area than they were before. Drivers in San Diego, Los Angeles, Seattle, Chicago, and Columbus, Ohio, have increased speeding the most, according to the data. Ohio? Ohio. Yeah, what are you doing in there, Buckeyes? What are you doing in there, Ohio? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is Buckeyes right? I think so. 
Okay, I, cool. I clearly, I was not going to test that. Yeah. If yeah. it's right, that is the most masculine thing I've ever <laughs> right. done. I've ever and I have to call my dad. <laughs> He's going to be so proud. <laughs> I have to call my late grandfather, too. Anyways, um, so yeah. Oh, and one other thing. Uh, vehicle drivers, this is uh, a different company. Oh, this is something. <laughs> When I first read this, I went to quote myself, what? And I woke up my dog and then I reread it. This is vehicle drivers quote showed significantly higher overall drug prevalence during the public health emergency with 64.7% testing positive for at least one active drug compared to 50.8% before the pandemic. And I went, Half of everybody is blitzed <laughs> before on at least the before? pandemic. <laughs> no, after I was after I woke up my dog, I reread it. It's it gets sad. I'm sorry, but I just have to correct it. Is that's of people when that have died in a car crash. Oh, God. so it's only fatalities that they uh. test as a natural thing. That is terrible, but it's a lot better than fifty percent of every driver if going out there and driving being like, right now. I yeah. was concerned about that, and now I feel awful. Oh. You really took me on a roller coaster there. Yeah, that's well, it's really sad. Like that's just crushingly sad. Yes. Um, why is this happening? Uh, I didn't see a lot of why, but I'm guessing it's because everyone's cooped up. Uh, yeah. That when the pandemic started, I know that law enforcement agencies across the country reduced the number of traffic stops by huge amounts in order to limit spreading the virus. Yeah. And so people sort of got away with it and the roads were emptier. So it was George Miller time, uh, Fast and the Furious, and he didn't direct Fast and the Furious. Oh, <laughs> did he? We'll never know. Um, and then now that things have gone back to normal, like there are a lot of cars back on Los Angeles now, everyone is sort of even though yeah. we're taking things seriously, it's Los Angeles. You have to drive and you have to use the highway. Um, people just haven't adapted. Wow. Uh, and so I'm nervous. Oh, and I've seen two car accidents in the last four days. And just, I didn't cause either of them. Yeah, and you weren't even involved. And there weren't motorcycles that were pesky, sneaky, hiding Well, I'm not going to brunch these days, Pete. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> look out! <laughs> so, I don't know what to do um, about it. It's just anxiety that I have, and I'm sure some other people, maybe it just depends really on what state you live in, or what yeah. kind of city, because Los Angeles is crazy anyways. But, yeah. uh, it's gotten me scared, and I'm worried that I'm getting too jumpy, especially from big white truck McGee, who's tried to cut me off and with a gun car i don't know uh i'm worried that i'm getting too jumpy so i have a plan and oh, i want to see what you thought oh good yes roll out the schematic because when people beep and stuff i'm sort of going ah and stuff and i'm afraid that's going to my erraticness is going to be the problem i think i'm just going to black out all my windows and mirrors <gasps> yeah. get on the road and wish everybody a lot of luck what do you think just like daybreakers that's how vampires do it it worked for them really yeah how do they see well, cameras you don't have any cameras Oh, that's going to be the problem. Huh. You know what? I figured it out. You figured it out? Yeah, it's not going to work for you. Not like it did for the vampires. Well, okay, then I'll change it. I will just put, when I put the plastic bag over my head, it'll be like a garbage, <laughs> like a hefty bag. And I can't see anything. <laughs> that's perfect. You don't need to worry about the car no. because you want to maintain retail resale value. Exactly. No, you're fine. Oh. You've got, you nailed it. Thank In you. one. I'm going to brunch. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Thank you all 
so much for joining us for this episode. This week's tune is Runaways by Benj Hurd. Benj Hurd. Hey, everybody. I'm Tommy Metz III. And I'm Pete Wright. Thanks for downloading. We'll be back next week on What's That Smell? <laughs> <laughs>